You can dance. You can jive. This is the 34th episode of Convince Me. And we're ah, 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 ah. Staying alive. Staying alive. Mamma Mia, here we go again. Welcome back to another groovy episode of Convince Me. I am Andy Rutherford, joined as always by Mr. Casey Elrod, Mr. Brian Bennett. Gentlemen, are you ready for this show? Rod, if there was any life in this show, it's gone after that intro. It's completely gone out the window. You killed it. I, I like that intro. I'm, I'm jacked for this. This is probably going to be one of my favorite episodes. And, and I'm actually, not just saying that this time. He's not just saying that because not for you, our faithful listeners, something you don't know about this show. Bennett's been pushing for an ABBA show pretty much since episode three. Um, ABBA versus Mike Tyson. ABBA <laughs> versus the, the 29 New York Yankees. ABBA Christmas versus came early for me. And George Strait. Abba versus Abraham Lincoln. He tried to get it in there. But this week, we're going to make Bennett happy, and we hope we make you happy. We're probably not going to make my aunt happy because one of her favorite bands is being represented by Elrod. But we will get to that in just a little bit. But before we do, it is time. We need some kind of bumper for this, some kind of segue. We need that. That piece of paper that Bennett used to have. That's what we need. The Weekly Shield. There we go. There it is. <laughs> it is the Weekly Shield. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're not, you need to be following us on all the socials. As Mr. Bennett, for those of you on Facebook and on YouTube, have for your visual stimulation, you can find us over on Facebook.com slash Convince Me Show. That's probably our most active uh, account every Tuesday night. You're going to get a preview of every week's show uh, at six o'clock central time before the full episode drops on Wednesday. You can also find us on Twitter at Convince Me Show. Occasionally we get lazy and uh, don't want to pick a poll for the week and we let you all decide. And we need to do that again soon. I'm thinking maybe next week. Um, this is the first time I'm springing it on these guys, so we'll see about that one. Uh, where it can be found over on Instagram, Convince Me Show. As the, the uh, graphic says, nothing special over on uh, Instagram, but if you're going to follow us everywhere else, you might as well follow us there. And, of course, we can be found on YouTube, tinyurl.com slash show, where you can watch all of our episodes in their entirety in the video format. And of course, every week on Wednesday, not only does it drop on YouTube, it drops in podcast form wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Make sure you've got to like, subscribe, leave us a review, all that good stuff, and uh, keep up with everything that we are doing. As was kind of shown tonight, uh, as we, it was alluded to in the open, tonight we're taking it back to a time before any of us were around. 
we weren't staying alive because we weren't being alive yet. Um, but back to a groovier sort of times, we're going back to disco. And we're looking at two of the biggest disco bands, uh, if not the two, two of the biggest disco bands of the era. We're looking at the Bee Gees. And we're looking, finally, Bennett can say, we're talking tonight some ABBA. Bennett now, Ron. What? Who's that? <laughs> yeah. Who's that? <laughs> we're talking the Bee Gees. We're talking ABBA. It's a showdown. It's Bennett versus Elrod. This is your dance floor. Gentlemen, you should be dancing. And at the end of the show, winner takes all. So here we I go. Elrod probably didn't get either of those references. I did not. Yeah, I just think we should do a dance-off to decide who wins this. You should be dancing. But anyway, you should have recognized that song. It's your band, dummy. Anyway. (laughs) We'll get to that. To decide our order tonight, I'm going to need you to get your pen and paper. It's going to be another number. Closest without going over. As was... Heard terribly in our opening segment, in, in our cold open. When we talk about these two bands, a lot of times people will flow to two songs, one from each. Those are Dancing Queen and those are Staying Alive. Probably the biggest hit for both bands, even though it may not be their best. Bennett will probably argue it's not their best later on. But there are their two most popular. So the closest without going over, the question is this. As of 7 p.m. tonight, so an hour and 15 minutes ago on the night that we're recording, what is the combined number of Spotify streams for these two songs combined for Dancing Queen and Staying Alive as of an hour and 15 minutes ago? It's a big number. I know that much. It is the largest number we've had on this show. Okay. I'm locked in. I'm in, I'm in for the win. Give me moments. Mm. Okay. What do we got? 21 million. 21 million, 901 million. Ooh. Well, I'll say this. You're both short. What? Mm. As of an hour and 15 or so mm. minutes ago, Dancing Queen had been streamed 466 plus million times. Staying, Bye, alive, Staying alive had been streamed 453 plus million times. For a grand total of 919 million, uh, times. So close. Bennett, little short. Elrod, a lot Way of short. short. Just <laughs> a bit outside. Maybe think, in the uh, last, maybe in the last week, those are the numbers. <laughs> you put you put 21 million for both. I think I've got 21 million hits just for ABBA. <laughs> No, I figured that that was the amount of times you've listened to Dancing Queen, Bennett. 
<laughs> no, it's it's like Russ said, it's not my favorite, but we'll get into that. All right, so Mr. Bennett, will you be leading this dance or will you be closing the show? Mm, I believe I'll I'll close this up. Oh, I'll defer. All right, Mr. Elrod, you have two minutes for opening statements, and those two minutes begin right now. Well, they wanted the expert on disco, so you got me. Um, I'm the definitive expert on disco. But let's talk about the Bee Gees, Rod. When you think of a great artist or band, I, ha I have three criteria on how I judge an artist or a band. One, how do they sound? H how does a studio sound? Two, how do they sound live? And three, do they write their own material? Now, some people, some artists and bands, they're good in studio or they're good live, but they don't write their own stuff. I'm here to tell you tonight, Sir Rot, the Bee Gees check each box on this. Great studio sound, excellent performers. And if you look at the Bee Gees, they're some of the most prolific songwriters of all time. At one time, the Gibb brothers had three out of the top five hits at one time and seven out of the top ten in the 70s. The Gibb brothers wrote every single one of their songs, and they wrote thousands of other hits for other bands, including for Kenny Rogers, Islands in the Stream. We're going to talk tonight about how Staying Alive is the definitive disco song. It's the most important song to disco, and it's a sound that defined the entire genre. We're going to talk, we're going to take you all the way back tonight. And, and you're going to learn most of the people we've talked about, whether it's Garth or George Strait, they found stardom pretty early. It took the Bee Gees a long time, and they earned their stripes, and they earned their way to the top. We're going to talk about Saturday Night Fever. I went into this not knowing a whole lot about the Bee Gees, but I came out thinking this could I mean a lot of people think that they're a top 10 band of all time. And I truly believe they are. And they're certainly better than ABBA. So stay tuned. All right. Shots fired there. Mr. Bennett, your retort in three, two, one, go. Yeah, I'll make this opening pretty, pretty short here. Um, when you think about ABBA, what's the first thing that pops into your head? Is it the Europop? Is it disco or is it Dancing Queen? Well, all these answers are correct, but ABBA is so, so, so much more than just that. What if I told you that ABBA was so huge that they dethroned the Beatles and they did so in the UK? And what if I told you that a a box office movie titled Mamma Mia would go on to nearly gross as much as the greatest movie in all time. And of course, we're talking about Forrest Gump. Both of these <laughs> grossed over 600 million. And what if I told you that Mamma Mia would go on to be the longest running jukebox musical in Broadway history? ABBA is one of the greatest bands of all time. They're one of the greatest selling bands of all time. And more importantly, they're a worldwide phenomenon. And tonight, Rod, I'll convince you that ABBA is better than the Bee Gees. 
All right, with like 37 Ooh. seconds to spare. Uh, getting it in there. This one is going to be a heck of a showdown on the dance floor. And if you're on Facebook, sucks for you. You're going to have to come back tomorrow. You're going to have to come back to the podcast or to YouTube because this will do it for our Facebook preview. For those of our friends on Facebook, make sure you're checking us out uh, on YouTube and on the podcast. For those of you smart, loyal, loving listeners and viewers on the podcast and on YouTube, we will be right back. And we are back. And I really wanted to go with Amaro Ronaldo. Mamma mia there, but I didn't. We are back. We're going to keep on dancing, and we're going to start with you, Bennett. Uh, our first subtopic tonight, if you will, I want to know who ABBA is. Who makes up ABBA? How did they get together? How did they – you told me they were big, a big international hit. I want to know about their members. I want to know about their formation. I want to know about the ABBA breakout, and as I'm aware – there's probably a lot of information here, so I'm going to give you all three minutes on this topic. And Bennett, your three minutes start now. Well, right, the uh, the ABBA story begins circa 1966 in uh, Stockholm, Sweden, when uh, Bjorn Ulvaeus met Benny Anderson for the very first time. Now, Bjorn was a member of the Hootenanny Singers. <laughs> which was actually a very popular folk music group in Sweden. And uh, Benny played, uh, played keyboards in uh, Sweden's biggest pop group band in the 60s called the Hep Stars. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they're also um, often referred to as the Swedish version of the Beatles. Uh, the pair uh, wrote their first song together just a few weeks later and also began kind of playing occasionally with uh, each other's bands and started recording although it wouldn't be until 1969 when uh, they really started recording um, some of their first real hits together. In the spring of that very same year, Bjorn and Benny met two women um, that were to become not only their fiancés, but also the other half of ABBA. And the first is Agnetha Falkstog. She was a successful solo singer herself, um, releasing her first single in 1967. And uh, Bjorn would go on to marry her in July of 71. And then the fourth member of the group is Annie Frid Lingstad, also known as Frida. Uh, she started recording her career just shortly before Agnetha did. Uh, Frida was of Norwegian origin, but she had moved to Sweden at a very early age. So we'll just go ahead and call her Swedish too. Now, Benny and Frida were an item, but they didn't really tie the knot until October of 78. So flash forward to uh, from 1969 to 1973, and these two couples, Agnetha on vocals and Bjorn, a songwriter on the guitar, they were a couple. Then you had Benny, who was also a songwriter and on the keyboard, and Annie Frid, and she was on vocals. They would become the sweetest supergroup known as ABBA which of course is an acronym of the first letters of their first name. 
Um, mm-hmm. Our big breakthrough came in a 74 by winning the Eurovision Song Contest, which is essentially just like an international song contest. I thought of it kind of like a uh, American Idol kind of, in a way. Their winning song was Waterloo. Interestingly, they had decided to sing this in English instead of their native tongue, which would prove to be a very beneficial move for them as it gave ABBA the chance to tour Europe and perform on major television shows. And thus the band saw uh, many, uh, many charts in uh, many of the European countries. Uh, this was ABBA's first major hit in uh, numerous countries. Became their first number one single in several European countries, including the UK and West Germany. It also made the top 10 in several other countries, including rising number three in Spain, number four in Australia and France, and number seven in Canada. In the US, the song peaked at number six on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, and this paved the way for their first album and the group's first trip to the United States. All right. You cut your uh, opening short, and you went over on that one, and they pretty much evened out. So uh, I'll allow it. Elrod, you don't get the same allowance. Um, uh, I expect nothing less. That was a whole lot to, to get in there. <laughs> that Never mind. Uh, moving <laughs> on, um, what's-her-name sounds like uh, a uh, Austin Powers character. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> so that sounds Agnetha. like one of those Austin Powers vi- villains. <laughs> the, was it the Agnetha Folkstog? Yes. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> all right, Elrod. I need you to tell me a little bit about, um, you told me before the show started that the Bee Gees did not get their name from Barry Gibb's initials. So I want you to tell me about Barry Gibb and the rest of the Bee Gees, how they got together and how they broke out. Your three minutes begins now. Well, I'll get to that in a second. But the Bee Gees as a group, they're all brothers. So two of them are twins. The other one is older, Barry, the only still living BG. Uh, but they were they were formed in 58 as far as a group that consisted of three brothers. Uh, they, uh, they hailed from Manchester, England. Uh, initially, uh, they formed a small group called the Rattlesnakes, which featured Barry on guitar and vocals and Robin and Maurice on vocals. Um, he comes from very, the Bee Gees come from a very poor family. Uh, uh, hard times in England, uh, they move to Aussieland. They go to Brisbane, uh, down under. And uh, early in their life, the young brothers perform uh, music to make money. And that's that's what they had to do to make a living down there. And a local racetrack in 1960 allowed them to perform at the racetrack. And this is how they got their name. The deal was they not not paid a commission, but if uh, if uh, fans of the racetrack threw money on the track they got to collect that so the owner of the racetrack went by uh, his last name was good so when you took good and you took barry gibbs initials you get bg so there is a component to barry gibb but a lot of people thinks that that the BGs are the brothers Gibb, and that's just not correct. But so I did hold you in some suspense. It does have to do with Barry Gibb. They find some mediocre success in the early 60s. Um, a lot of people compare them to the Beatles uh, in terms of their sound. And um, 
they're not finding a lot of success down under. They come back to England and they're picked up by a, a local producer who produced for the Beatles early in their career. And he said, in his mind, this group sounds pretty good. So what he did, he made it where he would release an album. Or he would release uh, some, uh, some songs, but he would not put on there who it was. So a lot of people in England thought this was new Beatles songs, but it was actually Bee Gees. They kind of floundered for a while. They didn't find much. They had some hits. But their biggest success came in the late 60s, early 70s. Uh, one of their good friends, uh, Eric Clapton, convinced them to come to America, to come to Miami. This is about the start of disco. And he, he, he was the one, one artist that really had a lot of influence on these folks. And it was a very good decision for them because uh, this sets up uh, at, at the Bee Gees being the forerunner and also having the main song, Staying Alive. So they had some success pre-disco, but they didn't have nearly, they didn't have nearly the success that they had with the start of disco. Are you timing yourself? No. <laughs> Whatever that was went off immediately when it my did. It hit. Did. I'm not timing myself, promise. You're lying to me. BG's <laughs> does come from Big Gib. It does. I catch you in some suspense, but it, it does. And that is true. You will lie. I did lie. And also, That's... you thought you were going to get bonus points from me for mentioning Eric Clapton, which... I did. No rut points? No rut points for Eric Clapton because I'm still mad at Eric Clapton. Uh, oh, and because when I saw Eric Clapton live and the person I was with is a good friend of all of us, former roommate of myself and Mr. Bennett, uh, a Mr. Holloman, and I'll leave it at that. Uh, we saw Mr. Eric Clapton in concert and he brought out Vince Gill, which, okay, it is what it is. And then they played Layla Acoustic. And mm. um, I didn't want to hear Layla Acoustic. I wanted to hear Layla in the way Layla is supposed to be played. Um, so I'm upset at Eric Clapton and I hate Vince Gill, but, uh, that's, Ooh. that's, oh, that's, that's fighting words. What do you fighting. got against Vince Gill? Well, first of all, he walks around here thinking he's an Eagle now. He's not. Um, okay. I mean, I guess technically he is. No, I just, I don't, that's another show altogether. I don't hate Vince Gill. He just. I didn't want to hear an acoustic version of Layla. But anyway, um, we'll continue. Elrod, before I get too far way away from this conversation, you mentioned their big hit. You mentioned Staying Alive. I assume you're about to talk a lot about Staying Alive and possibly even some other hits that you may have learned in the last 24 hours upon research. <laughs> Topic. Um, that would be true. That would be very true. I, I will not lie about that. <laughs> so I want to hear all of your new knowledge. So due to that, I will give you three minutes. Tell me about the Bee Gees. Tell me about Staying Alive. Tell me about their biggest hit, but also their other hits starting yeah. now. So you have to understand the time period when we talk about staying alive, they had just come off a successful live album uh, at the start of disco. And there was a project, Saturday Night Fever. And the, the Bee Gees 
they were the band that they wanted to include on the soundtrack. And this was truly the turning point of their career. If, if you look at the culture impact of the film and the soundtrack, this really put the Bee Gees on a pathway to superstardom. Um, initially, the Bee Gees were not involved in the movie. Uh, John Travolta talks about how he wanted, he was thinking it would be Stevie Wonder or someone else. But once uh, the Bee Gees didn't compose all the songs on the Saturday Night Live uh, soundtrack, but they, they composed a, uh, and wrote an, uh, the majority of them. And it, it's essentially one of their records. Um, but the success of this album cannot be overstated. It, it, it was, uh, it's one of Rolling Stone's 500 greatest songs, uh, Staying Alive is, uh, is one of the greatest songs of all time, according to Rolling Stone. Uh, it, would, it would set them up for six consecutive number one hits, tying the record with the Beatles at this time for most consecutive number one hits in the United States. Uh, Staying Alive, when it came out, climbed the charts to number one, uh, remaining there for four consecutive weeks. Uh, if, you, if you actually sit and look at the lyrics, it's kind of a depressing song. Um, it's, it's kind of it's upbeat, but the actual lyrics are kind of depressing. Um, and it was kind of a, a commentary on the time that they were living in. Um, this is very interesting. Uh, Staying Alive Rut is used to train medical professionals. And it's used to train medical professionals on the correct number of chest compressions per minute when he performs CPR. I did not know this. It's actually been featured on Gray's Anatomy and The Office on how to do CPR. Uh, if you look at other hits, uh, we'll talk about the album, uh, Sorry Not Fever, in a minute. But other songs... Uh, uh, Job Talking, which was a uh, on their pre on one of the albums that predated Saturday Night Fever, was also a huge hit. Uh, in total, they have had I believe eight number one hits, but those Job Talking and uh, Staying Alive are by are above and beyond the two main hits that this group has. Well, you mentioned Office. That's a good episode. <laughs> when they when they teach you that if you haven't seen it go watch that episode it's funny i may be incorrect in saying this but i think literally like a few months ago they came out and said that that would no longer their recommended method of uh, course this year sucks they're taking away everything right taking away your rights taking away bgs i mean what's the world coming to these days remind well, me they're going to change it to like baby shark or something i don't <laughs> i don't remember what it was they wanted to change it to but chest it, compression do, 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 chest compression do, 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 do. oh man have you um, ever watched the video to staying alive i think so is john travolta in it i don't think he is then probably, I mean, I mean, it is hilarious. You know, after all of it, like the beats, you, one of it will jump out, and it's kind of spooky how they'll just appear out of nowhere. It's kind of funny. I guarantee it is not as iconic, and Bennett's going to know what I'm talking about here, as the Rolling Stones "Start <laughs> Me Up" video. Oh. That is music video gold. Yeah, we then we watched that like in the very early, very early version of like YouTube. I think it was even before YouTube. Was it before? Golly, we watched it like twenty-seven times in a row one night. It was fantastic. 
I'm going to jump off subject again here, bouncing off something you said, Elrod. Saturday Night Fever. Great John Travolta movie. Where does it rank on 70s John Travolta? Was Greece people, in the 70s or 80s? Greece was 70s. A lot of I people. Hate but do you know who wrote Greece? Do you know who wrote Greece? The song Greece? The Gib. Barry Gibb. You know who sang it? Frankie Valley. Yep. <laughs> but you don't get Frankie Valley without Barry Gibb's song. You don't get Barry, his. Barry Gibb wishes he was Frankie Valley. We okay. can have that debate all. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to start this next week. You do not. Me and especially me. Well, Bennett's up there too. You don't disgrace the good name of Frankie Valley. Um, we were the youngest people in that concert by yeah, like forty years at least. Me and Bennett went and saw Frankie Valley a couple years ago, and it was fantastic. Um, but anyway, my point I was trying to make: a lot of people were excited about Fever number one, number two. I would say it's the fourth best thing John Travolta did in the 70s. Grease is number one because Grease is iconic, regardless of what Elrod says. Welcome back, Cotter, while not a movie, fantastic TV show that put John Travolta on the map. And then I'm going to go with what the people can't see, but what is my name on here? Urban Cowboy was a better film than Saturday Night Fever. You've never seen either one of them, have you, Elrod? I've seen all of them. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> Back on course. Bennett, you are limited to three minutes, not Ooh. three hours. I know okay, you I can... Go ahead. What are you saying? I can keep it under three hours. Um, I'm going to try my best for three minutes. Forgive me in advance if I go a little over. You've been talking but about it. It has to be told. The people have to hear this. Your three minutes start now. Okay, so throughout the 70s and into, I'd say, the early 80s, ABBA absolutely dominated the globe, not only in the U.S., but all over the world, especially, I'd say, like in the European countries. So I handpicked some of the songs that I thought were worth mentioning. The very first one has to be Waterloo, but it was in 1973. This is important in uh, ABBA's history. This was the first single to be credited to the group performing under the name ABBA, which this song basically uh, began ABBA's path to worldwide fame. The song shot to number one in the UK, becoming the band's first of nine UK number ones and the 16th biggest selling single of that year in the UK. It also topped the charts in Belgium, Denmark, Finland, West Germany, Ireland, Norway, South Africa, and Switzerland, all reaching the top three in Austria, France, the Netherlands, Spain, and in ABBA's native Sweden. It also reached the top 10 in Australia, Canada, New Zealand, Rhodesia, and the United States. Also, this is one of my favorite ABBA songs. <laughs> Second up, SOS, 1975. Uh, Bjorn Uvalis said that SOS was a key single in ABBA's finding its musical identity. And this is true. This was their biggest hit since Waterloo, and this really ignited their career. This song started a run of 18 consecutive top 10 hits for ABBA in the UK and Ireland. SOS reached number one in Australia, Belgium, France, West Germany, 
New Zealand, and South Africa. It was top three in Austria, the Netherlands, Norway, Italy, Mexico, Rhodesia, and Switzerland. The song became at a second top 20 hit in the United States, peaking at number 15, and for a rut point. This song has been covered by the band Fozzie. And the Who guitarist Pete Townsend has said, SOS is one of the best pop songs ever written. So, yeah, it was a pretty big deal, and it's one of my favorites. Flash uh, forward a little bit real quick. Super Trooper, 1980. Not the 2001 comedy, the song from ABBA in 1980. This song continued ABBA's run of chart success, particularly in Europe. It was ABBA's ninth number one in the United Kingdom. This distinction placed ABBA fourth for the most UK chart toppers in history, a position the group would keep for almost 20 years. It was also the fourth biggest selling single in the UK for the year 1980. Super Trooper also topped the charts in Belgium, West Germany, Ireland, the Netherlands. It was a top 10 hit in Austria, Finland, France, Norway, Spain, Switzerland, and it's one of my favorites. 1977, Knowing Me, Knowing You. This hit was number one in West Germany. I have a six consecutive number one there, as well as United Kingdom, Ireland, Mexico, and South Africa. It reached number three in Austria, Belgium, Netherlands, and Switzerland. It was a top 10 hit in Australia, Canada, France, New Zealand, and Norway. In the U.S., it became at a six top 20 single, peaking at number 14. This song is uh, it's kind of a darker theme song for the band. It, it kind of details uh, a breakup between a couple, which um, is actually kind of a really creepy omen for them because both of these couples actually did get divorced. So it's kind of weird thinking that they were singing this song, and you know, and in the future they both of them were to split up. And of all the ABBA songs, this was probably my absolute favorite. I'm gonna skip ahead. So I'm running out of time. I'm way out of time. You're um, <laughs> Take a Chance on Me, 1978. Billboard magazine described Take a Chance on Me as their most busy, fast-paced production. It became the group's uh, seventh UK number one, and it gave the group the distinction of being the act with the most chart-topping singles in the 1970s in the UK. It sold over 500,000 copies and was awarded a gold disc in the U.S., it reached number three and was certified gold in sales. And it peaked number three in Canada and Germany. And it's one of my favorites. And last but not least, real quick, Dancing Queen, 1976. This is by far the most well-known and popular track. It's a worldwide hit. Everybody knows it. It became their only number one hit in the U.S., though, surprisingly. Um, I'm not going to talk about all the charts that it topped. Basically, it, charted, like, it topped the charts in like every country possible. I could probably spend five minutes going over all the countries that it charted in. But it ranked number 174 on Rowan's 2004 list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. That same year, it made VH1's 100 greatest dance songs in rock and roll. Also in 2000, editor of, editors of Rowan Stones compiled a list of the best 100 pop songs. Dancing Queen placed number 12 among uh, songs in the 70s. Um, in closing, in 2015, the song was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame, and to date, the music video on YouTube has over 459 million views. So it's a pretty popular song, not one of my favorites. Mm. 
like I was telling Rob before, um, it's kind of like smells like teen spirit for Nirvana. Their biggest hit, but for me, you know, you've heard it so much. You just like, there's so much better out there. Two things. Only time in history that ABBA and Nirvana have been spoken in the same sentence. Probably. Not necessarily true. Dave Grohl's an ABBA fan. Yeah. So, two things. Check our Facebook. Two things. Number one, I don't know what was further off. Uh, Elrod's guess on total numbers of streams or Bennett hitting three minutes. Both were well, <laughs> well off. Oh, man. Um, I cut half of that out, too. <laughs> second thing is, if we are basing this off the charts in Rhodesia, then the Bee Gees are... That's screwed. That's screwed. Yeah. Um, Isn't that like a steakhouse? <laughs> Rhodesia? You're thinking of Rhodesios. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> no, that's a Brazilian steakhouse. <laughs> it's close. It's close. No, it was not close. But anyway, moving along, two minutes. Bennett, tell me about some of ABBA's records. Two minutes. Go. Okay. In order to do this in two minutes, I'm just going to talk about one record, and that's their biggest record. And if we're strictly talking about studio albums, it has to be the album uh, Arrival, which came out October 11th, 1976. This was ABBA's uh, fourth studio album, and it was their first to hit uh, number one. And it became like a major seller all over the world. Um, I find the title of this actually very fitting to ABBA because it really was like their big arrival onto the uh, music scene on a worldwide scale. It became the top selling album of 1977 in both UK and West Germany. And it spent longer, it spent a longer time on the charts than any other of the uh, ABBA's albums. They've had eight albums. Largely in part because it's it houses two number one hits with Knowing Me, Knowing You, and Dancing Queen. Plus, it had a number three hit that gets overshadowed, Money, Money, Money. And depending on which part of the world you uh, lived in at the time, it also included a fourth hit, Fernando. Uh, really top to bottom, it's a really solid album. And it was inducted into, uh, it was included in the uh, 1001 albums You Must Hear Before You Die. Um, the album went uh, double platinum in two countries and went platinum in four countries and went gold in another six countries, making it truly a worldwide success. And to me, uh, this album right here was truly ABBA at their very best. So, Rob. All right. Brought that one in under time. Good job. All right. Yeah. Tell me about the Brothers Gibb. And oh, don't say that. Right. That's not their name. <laughs> You've got two minutes on BG's records now. Well, I'm going to talk about two. And this is kind of like my Rocky um, uh, spill here. Remember the hot Rocky, Rocky, Rocky? Saturday Night Fever. Even though it's a soundtrack, it's pretty much a BG's album. If you look at top to bottom, 
if you look at uh, Saturday Night Fever, it is the best-selling album of all time, soundtrack album. It is the only soundtrack to win a, the Grammy for best album. Also, it's you cannot understate how much this album had as far as the culture of disco in, in the United States. You've got Staying Alive, but even more so than that, you've got Night Fever, How Deep Is Your Love, More Than a Woman, If I Can't Have You. All these are Bee Gees songs. You should be dancing. And also, this album re-released Jive Talking, which had been uh, released in the album uh, that uh, predated Saturday Night Fever. It, as stated, one Grammy of the year, only disco album to win a, a Grammy as well. It's uh, on Rolling Stone's uh, list of 500 greatest albums of, of all time. It's at 132. That it sold millions of albums. We're going to talk in, in a minute uh, about one thing that's come up in our previous shows about artists and bands is, especially the Garth and George Strait episode, right, is this notion of who's got more hits or who has sold more records. Both of these artists, there's a hundred million album discrepancy with both of them. Have they sold a hundred million albums or have they sold 200 million albums? It applies to both of them. How can they be that far off? Someone had one job and they can't do it. The other record I'll talk about is Main Course. This was the first Bee Gees disco album. It predated Saturday Night Fever. It also had hits such as Baby As You Turn Me Away, Songbird, all of them, all this making love, Edge of the Universe. All these songs were very different in the way they sounded and just goes to show how this band has a range. It could be a sad song or it can be a groovy song where you kind of dance around. It can be that. Did you like that? I told you I was going to be dancing in this episode. So Main Course and Saturday Night Fever are the two main records that the Bee Gees have. Look at you. All this new knowledge going over time. Do whatever I You should be dancing. I should be. You got the reference. I'm impressed. Um, But keep on dancing, my friend, as we are going to move on to our next topic. Two minutes. Two minutes. Tell me about the Bee Gees' impact on pop culture, starting now. They're singular responsible for the explosion of the disco movement. In the late 70s, early 80s, it was all about disco. And it was primarily responsible uh, when you look at uh, Staying Alive. But if you look at the other songs that other people had during this time, the Bee Gees are responsible for these songs in terms of the songwriting. Uh, the Gibb brothers placed 13 singles on the Hot 100 in 1978 while making uh, 12 in the top 40. Singer Gavin DeGraw had, had talked about the influence uh, of the Bee Gees in the 70s, and he said this. He said, this is an iconic group. Not only just It's not just one great band, but it's a great group of songwriters. Even after the Bee Gees' success on the pop charts, they're still writing songs for other people. And these are huge hits. Uh, their talent went far beyond the normal pop success. Yeah. So when you look at the Bee Gees, you look at 
their impact they had on the disco movement, but it just it just wasn't them. It was the songs that they were writing for other people. So you could you could look at the Bee Gees and say, you know what, Th- this band right here is responsible for disco in this country exploding during this time. Another root point lost by mentioning Gavin DeGraw. Do you know who his fiance is? Gavin DeGraw. I do not. I could probably Google that. Never mind. I'm mixing <laughs> him and Ryan Cabrera. Either way, they're interchangeable. Ryan Cabrera is engaged to Alexa Bliss, and therefore I hate him. Uh, but moving on. What about Melky Cabrera? <laughs> <laughs> Don't mention that name. Don't mention that name. <laughs> he had a great career, and then he went to Atlanta. Um, Bennett, tell me about ABBA's impact on pop culture. Two minutes starting. Six, six minutes? Two minutes. Oh, two minutes. Oh, okay. So, I'll try to do this in two minutes. By the time um, ABBA had disbanded in 1982, they had already pretty much safely secured uh, their spot as music icons. Had their story ended just right there, um, we would still be praising them today as one of the best pop bands of all time, best disco bands of all time. But their story didn't end there. A decade later, they would find themselves thrust back into the spotlight in, uh, in pop culture. In 1992, they released a compilation album, Abba Gold, The Greatest Hits which really launched ABBA right back into the listening charts. Uh, with sales of 30 million, gold is the best-selling ABBA album. The music and influence ABBA continued to infiltrate other realms of pop culture during the 90s. There was two successful Australian films released in 94, The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, and Morel's Wedding, both of which prominently feature ABBA songs on their soundtracks, which of course garner sales. In 1999, Mamma Mia! The Musical burst onto the scene and became Broadway's seventh longest-running show in history and the longest-running jukebox musical of all time, topping uh, musicals such as Jersey Boys, for example. Mamma Mia! proved to be such a popular musical around the world that it has spawned a 2008 film adaption, Mamma Mia!, which was a box office hit and grossed $615 million worldwide. Ten years later, a sequel was released, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, and this one grossed a cool $395 million. It boasts a 79% on a rotten status, proving that it's appreciation for both critics and fans, which is really, truly uh, a testament to the uh, enduring relevance of ABBA. Very good, very good. Bennett? Our last subtopic here before we get into closing arguments. What is, in two minutes, ABBA's legacy starting now? Um, ABBA truly are are, are trailblazers. Uh, This this quartet from Sweden became the first group from a non-English speaking country to achieve success globally, specifically here in the U.S. and in the U.K., um, topping charts worldwide from 74 through 82. They really set the blueprint for other artists to follow in their footsteps and prove that 
you can achieve uh, global success musically no matter where your origins may lie. Um, ABBA is regarded as one of the all-time greatest pop music acts. I'm sure one reason is the multiple chart-topping hits during their uh, recording time. But I also believe it was their ability to stay, uh, you know, re relevant nearly 40 years after disbanding, which really is really incredible in my eyes. You have to consider the albums, millions and millions sold worldwide. Think of the cover bands, most notably the 18s in the early 2000s, if y'all remember the 18s. There's been prominent artists like Cher who've covered their songs. You've got the Broadway musical, that's one of the longest, most popular musicals in history. You got the two theatrical musicals that have combined to gross over $1 billion. Think of the 12.3 million monthly listeners just on Spotify alone, I being one of them, of course. Even today, in 2020, um, ABBA have uh, five new songs reportedly in the works, and they're, they're slated for a 2021 reunion. They're supposed to release these new songs, depending on the situation we have with the current pandemic. But for me, two words to describe ABBA's legacy would be uh, trailblazers and enduring. Nice. All right. What's the Bee Gees legacy? Two minutes starting. Well, the Bee Gees legacy is just in the, when you look at the statistics of what they accomplished, it's amazing. Uh, they, of course, they had nine singles to reach number one on the Hot 100 chart, but they had 20 on the top, uh, uh, 20 number one singles in the Hot 100 chart as well. Uh, they've got their Hollywood Walk of Fame star. They've got, uh, uh, Barry it has been knighted by the Queen of England. Uh, the knock on the Bee Gees was always this: they're a Beatles knockoff. And in terms of their early years, they're just a Beatles knockoff. I found a great quote from John Lennon when uh, he was asking about the Bee Gees, and here's what he said: He said, "Try to tell the kids in the '70s who were screaming to the Bee Gees that their music was just the Beatles." He says, there's nothing wrong with the Bee Gees. They did a great job. There's just nothing else going on, man. So in terms of this criticism that you'll see from people about the Bee Gees uh, and the Beatles, it just it, it doesn't hold water. They had their own success with their own songs. They had a far-reaching success with songwriting. It is truly wrote thousands of songs for other people. And that's truly amazing. Some artists will have people write songs for them, and they'll also dabble and write some songs themselves. They did it all themselves. They performed the music. They wrote the music. And they're basically a modern-day Toby Keith, how he writes all of his stuff. They would be very wealthy if all of them were allowed to day off royalties and everything. But if you look, they had a number one hit in four different decades in terms of performance in terms of their songwriting so their music their musical taste never got stale uh, it survived for over 40 years in different eras so it just shows showcase to what people out in the 60s in the 50s they, this band was not anything like they were in the 70s so they were able 
to adapt to what was popular at the time and like them. And they did it. All right. First of all, that may be the first, last, and only time we've heard the Bee Gees compared to Toby Keith. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but Toby Keith writes all of his stuff. And that, that's the reason why he's always number one in terms of uh, highest paid artists because he gets royalties from uh, writing the song and also the performance. And it's the same thing with the Bee Gees. And uh, number two, I really thought the John Lennon quote was going to be no possessions. <laughs> no religion, too. <laughs> Easy could have got a Forrest Gump reference. Yeah. Nope. Um, we haven't done one of these in a while, but we're going to do it tonight. I have a follow-up question. We're going to see how Elrod's knowledge is, but oh god, one minute to answer this question, Elrod. Mm-hmm. Staying alive is what everybody thinks of when they think of the Bee Gees. If you were trying to turn someone on to the Bee Gees, what one song that is not staying alive would you point them to? One minute. And why? Well, if if staying alive is not the song, I'm probably going to go back to the, the album that predated, the one that was just right before, uh, stirring up fever and go to job talking it this also has a great music video if you go and they this group had very unique music videos so if i'm going to try to get a modern day person in the bgs i want to show them something visual i want to show them the music video for job talking all right 30 seconds good job bennett one minute <laughs> But same in question. only one minute. <laughs> but same question. If you're going to turn somebody on to ABBA, not Dancing Queen, what song and why? I think you'd have to go with SOS that uh, came out in 1975. Like I said, this was when they really started finding their musical identity. They had just had a big hit in Waterloo two years earlier, but other than that, they didn't really have anything that would just really just shouted, this is ABBA, this is what they are. Um, my man, uh, Benny, on the uh, keyboard, absolutely kills it on this song. Go back and watch, like, just listen to the song or watch the YouTube video of him on that keyboard. Man, he's just pounding on that keyboard on this song. Um, it was a pretty popular song throughout, pretty much throughout the entire world. I would, and it's one of my favorite songs, too. It's probably... Yeah, I'd say it's probably my favorite song. So if I had to put somebody on ABBA other than Dancing Queen, I'd point them in the direction of SOS. Good deal, gentlemen. Well, these have been fantastic arguments. One from somebody that has been well-versed in the topic for many years. Another from somebody who's been well-versed in the topic for many hours. Um... But both very well put together arguments. Mr. Elrod, in closing, why are the Bee Gees better than Alba? Alba. Abba, thinking of Jessica Alba for some reason. Uh, why are the Bee Gees better than Jessica Alba? Go. There we go. <laughs> why are the Bee Gees better than Abba? 
your closing statement, two minutes, go. We'll throw some names at you, Sir Rutt. Michael Bublé, Eric Clapton, Dastney's Child, Celine Dion, the Gatlin Brothers, Al Green, Elton John, Tom Jones, Janis Joplin, Olivia Newton-John, Dolly Parton, Elvis Presley, Kenny Rogers, Dana Ross, Rob Stewart, Barbara Streisand, Conway Twitty, Frankie Valley. What do they all have in common? Other than just a bunch of random names as far as musical artists, I just said. They all say that one of the biggest influences they had in them wanting to be an artist in terms of their musical style was the Bee Gees. They, uh, all of them point to the Bee Gees as part of their sound in one way or another. I did not know this, but Barry Gibb had a huge influence in Greece. There's a lot of talk uh, going into uh, making the movie. Is this really 50s sounds? This doesn't sound like anything in the 50s. They used Greece. They used Barry Gibb's song. It was a huge success. The the, the Bee Gees, right, are a trans, transcendent talent. They, they were able to change from the 50s to the 60s to the modern age. They were able to run over a thousand songs. This is a very close race between ABBA and the Bee Gees on the music uh, in terms of what they put out individually. But when you look as a, as a whole on what they did, the hundreds of millions of records that they sold, if you look at the, at the, at the impact that they have, I think that the Bee Gees come out on top because Staying Alive is bigger than Dancing Queen in terms of the impact, in terms of the amount of um, records sold. And the lasting impact is going to be the, the Bee Gees as the songwriters. And that's what puts the Bee Gees over the top by a little bit, just because it was thousands of songs they cranked out. I mean, most, some artists will write 10 or 15 songs in a lifetime. They wrote thousands of songs. So when you look at everything as a whole, the one thing that puts the Bee Gees over the top is their ability to write the songs when everything else is equal. Bennett, why is ABBA better than the Bee Gees? Two minutes, go. ABBA sent 20 songs into the Billboard Hot 100. The group achieved 18 consecutive top 10 singles and a total of nine number ones, including Dance Queen, of course, as their biggest success. Let's take a minute to talk about ABBA Gold. It's by far their best-selling album, as well as it's the 23rd best-selling album worldwide. In 2013, Abbott's Gold Album overtook the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band to become UK's second biggest selling album of all time. In 2019, the same record, Abbott Gold, passed its 900th week on the UK official albums chart, making it the longest running top 100 album of all time. The group was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2010. Not bad for a pop disco group. They've been a huge success on the charts, on the charts, sorry. They are a huge influence on Broadway, a huge influence at the box office. People of all ages from all walks of life throughout the world have enjoyed the sounds of ABBA for the last five decades. And to me, that surely makes them one of the biggest, most influential and greatest bands of all time. And Rut, I will leave you with this. Knowing me, knowing you, 
the way old friends do, you may be a little torn on who to pick here tonight. But gimme, gimme, gimme a minute to plead my case. Be a super trooper and take a chance on me. Me and I are head over heels for ABBA. I still have faith in you that when all is said and done, ABBA will be awarded the winner here tonight. Watch out because the winner takes it all. I mean, after all, that is the name of the game. And tonight, ABBA should be your winner. And so on behalf of myself to ABBA, thank you for the music. Bravo. Bravo. I spent a long time on that. <laughs> Andrew to the judge. I love it. I love it. All right. So here, here's my little diatribe here before I announce our winner and the winner does take it all. Um, if we're talking about me coming into this show, am I a particularly big ABBA fan? No. Am I a particularly big Bee Gees fan? Also no. Um, but I absolutely respect uh, both bands and what they've done and uh, I think they both deserve all the accolades they've got. I think they are both um, transcendent, I believe is the word Elrod used. Uh, <clears throat> both of them fall into that. And I take absolutely nothing away from the talent of anybody. When we look at the Bee Gees, the just musical talent um the lyrically genius the the musically genius that the Bee Gees had and as Elrod has pointed out not only for themselves for for so many other people um the way they've transcended just music. I mean, there was a lot to do with Saturday Night Fever. They wrote the song Grease that Frankie Valley performed greatly better than Barry Gibb ever could, but Barry Gibb wrote it. Okay. So um, you've got me pissed off on this Frankie Valley shade you've been throwing, but you know, it is what it is. I do love me some Frankie Valley. Um, all that is great. And, and Abba can't, I don't think ABBA can boast that as far as I don't think they're on that same level as Barry Gibb, but what ABBA can say that Barry Gibb can't say, uh, the Bee Gees can't say, I'm not just meaning to single out Barry here, although he is, you know, the main one you think of when you think of the Bee Gees. Um, the way ABBA hit, you know, a lot of times, a band hits and they're fantastic. Everybody in America loves them. And it's a big deal if they chart in another country. Uh, we hear people all the time, oh, they're huge in England and nobody in America has ever heard of them. Uh, we have those bands all the time. ABBA was huge everywhere. Um, even freaking Rhodesia, for crying out loud, as we've and learned. And that steakhouse really? down there in Nashville, they were great. 
Really, really big in Sheboygan. They're huge in Sheboygan. They inspired Rodizio Steakhouse, apparently. Um, if I if, if I had known that this episode not was going to be who who is uh, more popular in the Brazilian Steakhouse in Nashville, you know what? I would have went another way with this. <laughs> Maybe for another time. But um, literally, ABBA was a worldwide sensation. Um, and that's not to say the Bee Gees weren't big other places because they were. Um, they had a big, I mean, they were from the UK. Uh, they, they had a big UK following, but I don't, I mean, they probably only were like hit three or four on the charts in Rhodesia. So um, I think ABBA, as far as widespread, uh, had a bigger impact. I think ABBA has had a longer impact. And a lot of that may be because two of the Gibbs brothers are dead. Well, and that's absolutely true. Um, one from uh, one died of cancer, I believe, <clears throat> or one had really bad health problems. And one, you need to go watch the interview that Barry Gibb gave uh, about a year ago. It's really sad. Uh, they had a really close bond, those three guys, and he talked about how when he lost each of his brothers, that was really the only time in his life that he was, they were mad at one another was when he lost two of his brothers. So it's a really sad interview, but um, yeah, uh, he's lost to, he, he was the oldest brother. He's also the last surviving brother of the Gibb brothers. That is indeed sad. Um, Depressing. I had to put a, Cold blanket because I know a loss is coming, Thanks so I bringing, had to throw a cold blanket on it. Go down a notch. Appreciate that. Um, but anyway, as I was saying, I believe Abba has been longer. A lot of that due to Mamma Mia, the musical and the movies, which maybe they shouldn't get credited for because they didn't make the movie, they didn't make the musical. But the fact is, somebody thought their music was a big enough deal to make that. Um, and uh, Benny and Bjorn are making a lot of money off of these because they wrote every single ABBA song. There we so go. So anytime those words come out of their mouth, it's just cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. But I think as far as pure talent, I go Bee Gees. I think as far as far-reaching and far-reaching physically across the world and far-reaching in time, I go with ABBA. Here is what puts me over the top. When you think Bee Gees, you think Stan Alive. When you think ABBA, you think Dancing Queen. And if we're looking at those two songs, I'm going Staying Alive because Dancing Queen gets on my nerves. But when we look past Staying alive with the Bee Gees as far as songs they put out. They had more number one hits. Do what? They had more number one hits. Not Rhodesia. (laughs) (laughs) They had nine number ones. ABBA had one number one hit in the U.S. chart. In the the U.S. One. But here's here's the thing. I'm not looking at charts. I'm looking at... 
I'm going to bookmark this right here, right on on twelve sevens for our next musical episode. It says he does not look at charts. We're we're going we're going to revisit this. I'm not I talking promise. about charts. I'm talking. We're going to revisit this. Here's what I'm on talking. On a worldwide scale, we're going to revisit this. I'm going to bookmark it. Nine twenty twelve seven. You're not helping your cause. Anyway, when I look past, as far as as impact today, songs people know today, and maybe this isn't a fair assessment, but it's my assessment. When I look past staying alive, there's not a lot there for the Bee Gees for me that have lasted. Obviously, they were big at the time. They went number one at the time. It's cool. When I look past Dancing Queen, which I try to do, um, when I look past Dancing Queen, there are other songs there. Um, for ABBA, and maybe that's because of the musical. Maybe that's because of the recency biased. Because you do hear those more. They are more relevant now due to Broadway, due to the movies. But I think when you factor in that, you factor in ABBA's far more reaching. If we're going more talented, I give it to the Bee Gees. But if we're going bigger, I'm going to go ABBA. Hmm. Rut with the commercial impact over the talent. Always, he never ceases to disappoint me. You know, <clears throat> maybe, I don't know. I mean, I think the talent of ABBA, okay, maybe not to that scale, but I think all four of them standing alone were very talented on their own. You know, you had, I mean, you had what, uh, Benny and Bjorn and these big, huge hoot nanny band and the, the other one that was considered the Swedish form of the Beatles, which I thought was kind of funny, but I don't know. Just some of the Bible and all four of them came together. It was magic. Only when we're talking about ABBA can I give Bennett the win, and he's still kind of low-key offended because I called the Bee Gees more talented. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hurts my feelings. Mm. You know, though, but – I'm going to have to give this a, a top five episode for, for our show. Probably one of my favorites, you know. Not, not only, your favorite, but one of the favorites. One of the favorites. Um, researching it, you know, was really tough. I had to, had to watch the YouTube videos. I had to do the musicals. I had to play my ABBA uh, sound list on my Spotify. It was, it was terrible. It was rough. Is rough. Rutt wouldn't be able to uh, rate our top shows because, in his mind, charts don't matter. So that's, that's not what I said. <laughs> that's not what I said. Have I have more songs on the chart worldwide? Not just Rhodesia, but yeah, yeah, I mean Rhodesia. Yeah, that's what we're going by. Okay. Have I had nine number one hits as well? Just only one in the U.S. <laughs> Where it matters. Oh, America. 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 This is America. Uh, All right. Great ladies, show. Great show. Ladies and gentlemen, I will say this. Look on our socials because I'm making a call, an executive decision on behalf of this show. Bennett's got your graphic there. Look at Facebook. Still watch him. Look at can look at Instagram to get the heads up. But at some point later in this week, 
go to Twitter. Next week, I'm making the executive decision to let you all pick again what the four options are going to be. I don't know yet, but there's going to be a poll this week, and you all are going to pick what it is. So be on the lookout for that um, this week. You know, I just realized something. What's that? I think we went with ABBA versus Bee Gees this week, so I would quit talking about ABBA, and we can move forward with the show. <laughs> I mean, if we're going Finally to be get completely transparent here, uh, we were late getting together this week for a show idea. I jokingly said something about ABBA because Bennett has said something about ABBA every single week <laughs> since week three, and nobody came up with anything else. And Elrod didn't want to take the BGs, and I said, "Well, you come up with another topic," and he couldn't. So here we are, ABBA and the BGs. ABBA versus Playwalker next week. I'm calling it. Playwalker. How about Frankie Valley versus anybody? Who? 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 Well, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Elrod will not be joining us next week because he's been fired from the show um, for slanderous comments. Um, but anyway, congrats to Bennett. Bennett, you have convinced me. ABBA over the BGs. Either of you have any closing statements before we shut this thing down? Arts don't matter. One of my favorite shows. And that's all we got to say about that. Look for Twitter. We're, we might get you a poll this week um, if we can decide what four topics we want in the next day or two. Um, otherwise than that, guys, be here next week. Uh, we'll have another show. Don't know what it'll be yet. Maybe you'll get to pick it. Uh, for Mr. Bennett, for Mr. Elrod, I'm Andy Rutherford. And until next time... We bid you adieu. Peace.